Your labor is not in vain Though the ground underneath you is cursed and stained Your planting and reaping are never the same Your labor is not in vain Your labor is not unknown Though the rocks they cry out Never see it may grow The place of your toil May not seem like a home Your labor is not unknown I am The vineyards you plant will bear fruit The fields will sing out and rejoice with the truth For all that is old will at last be made new The vineyards you plant will bear fruit I
Good morning. Welcome to Great Commission Community Church. I'm Simone, and I've been part of this church family for a few months. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share this morning. I've truly experienced such a diverse and inspiring community of believers here. I've especially enjoyed being part of the Crystal City small group. I know the same community is available for all to experience today and throughout the week as you enjoy God's presence and are guided by him as you interact with one another. As Julie said last week, in the midst of sickness, in the midst of grief, in the midst of anxiety, in the midst of all kinds of things going on in our lives and affecting us, God is with us. This means he's actively speaking to, guiding, and healing us, making us whole and healthy in him. Meeting together like this, whether we're online, right now, or in person here, helps remind us of that. Together, we experience God's presence. We hear him speak, we feel him near, and we see his beauty. All this makes us confident that God is with us always. Also, being here together in his presence reawakens our passion for him. It renews our love and devotion in Christ. And for some of us, it ignites love for Christ, maybe for the first time, or maybe for the first time in a very long time. God is here. I can't say that enough. He is here. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us, hearing us, and helping us to recognize his work in our lives. Let's stand as we sing in his presence and truly enjoy him, freely expressing our love to him. For those who are at home, I encourage you to stand, walk around in your house. That's what I do when I'm online. Just enjoy, enjoy. You're even freer at home. Sing out loud. For some, freely expressing our love for him means raising or clapping your hands. For others, it may mean bowing your head. And yet for others, it may mean lifting your heads, folding your hands to pray, or simply smiling. It's like saying, I love you with a stern look versus saying it with open arms and a smile, Lord, I love you. He loves you deeply and is excited to experience your expressions of love. Let's sing together.
This is how we know, this is how we know what love is. Just one look at your cross. This is where we see, this is where we see how love works. For you surrendered your This is how we know that you have loved us first, and this is where we chose to love you in return. For you so loved the world that you gave your only son, love amazing, so divine. We will love you in return for this life that you give, for this. 
so loved the world. For you so loved the world that you gave your only son. Love amazing, so divine. We will love you in return for this life that you give, for this death that you have died. Love amazing, so divine. truth we love you for we have been so deeply loved the song we just sang echoes the words of the apostle john jesus's disciple and close friend john writes this is how god showed his love among us he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 1 John 3, verses 9 through 10. Let's continue showing our love for God together in spoken prayer as we did in our songs. Can we first pray together many voices in agreement with one heart? I'll read the verses from John again. Then we can pray our thanks to God for the love he showed us by sending Christ to us. Let's express our thankfulness together for his love. John writes, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Let us pray with our own voices together. Father God, you have shown us what love is. Your love is truly amazing. We freely express our gratefulness, speak of your goodness, and adore you. 
because of the love you've shown, teach us, Lord, how to freely express our gratefulness and adore you from the bottom of our hearts with all of our beings for the love that you have shown. This has always been your desire, Lord God, to create a family that knows you and that is known by you. We are part of that family. We thank you for sending Jesus to us as a sacrifice for our sins. We know that it is not we who loved you, but you who loved us first. We could never earn your love. You give it to us so generously and so richly in your son, Jesus. Thank you for your love. In return, in reply, out of full, overflowing hearts, we return that love to you. We give you love. God, we say in our hearts that we love you, that we want to love you more and more. We want to be like you in that love. Amen. Friends, in the same chapter that we just read, John also writes, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their sister or brother whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this commandment. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Some may have heard of a way of reading the scripture called Lectio Divina, which is Latin for divine reading. It's a way of reading the scripture out loud slowly taking your time and thoughtfully to really digest and absorb it because the word of God is so powerful and this gives the Holy Spirit space to speak to us through the words so I'll read it again in this way slowly and thoughtfully dear friends since God so loved us, God so loved us, God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We ought to love one another. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar for whoever does not love a brother and sister whom they have seen whoever does not love a brother or sister whom they have seen 
cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Anyone who loves God must also love, must also love their brother and sister. First John 3. Chapter 11, verses 19. Chapter 3, verses 11 and verses 19 through 21. As we pray again, this time we'll repeat a refrain. We love because you first loved us. At the end of each prayer, I'm going to say we love because you first loved us. And after I say that, I'll ask if you could repeat the same phrase. We love because you first loved us. Those of you online, you can say it where you are. You can text it to a friend. You can write it in the chat. Let's pray. Lord, our prayer for others and each other is an act of love, sincere love from our hearts, which you filled with your love. In love, we concern ourselves with others and not just ourselves. We love because you first loved us. Lord, we pray for all those in our community, in our area, who are very vulnerable in this surge of COVID. Our youngest children, pregnant women, the elderly, those who are fighting other sicknesses. We pray for their protection. We pray for your healing for those who are sick. We look to you to heal them and protect them, Lord. You are healer and you are protector over them. We love because you first loved us. With love, we honor those who keep working at jobs that are very difficult and dangerous in this time. Health workers and teachers and more. We honor them and we pray for them that they would feel your encouragement and love, that they would be given relief, that they would see the fruitfulness of their work. Speak to them, Father. Give them rest. Heal their hearts, minds, and bodies, Lord. We again pray for these people in our church that are doing these jobs. Genia, Peter, David, Lucy, Justin, Debbie, Danielle, Erica, Umi, Stephen, Alan, Tui, and others. We love because you first loved us. We pray with concern for people all over the world that in your mercy you heal our hearts, minds, and bodies, even in the midst of the pandemic. We pray for comforting of the brokenhearted and those who mourn, healing of the sick, and the giving of good news to the widow and orphans and sojourners like me. We love because you first loved us. With love, we pray for people in Syria, in Afghanistan, in Ethiopia who face so much inconceivable violence and death and war. We pray for their relief and healing. 
we pray for peace. We love because you first loved us. We pray for people all over this area, people in our offices, in schools, in neighborhoods, in buildings, to know your love that surpasses understanding, to hear the good news of Jesus' love for us. We pray that for friends and family and people we know, as well as for people we don't know, but we may see every day. Let them experience you, God. We love because you first loved us. So I invite you to please add your prayer for others now, practicing Christ's love in prayer. You can pray loudly or quietly. I'll wait for a few moments, and then I'll close us shortly. Lord, as we close, we recognize that as we say we love because you first loved us, we often do not love. And even when we do, it may be shallow or inconsistent or just not generous. As we fail to love sacrificially in the way that Christ has shown us, and sometimes we fail to love sacrificially in the way that Christ has shown us, Forgive us, Lord, for the lack of love that we show in what we do or what we don't do. Lord, fill us, fill us again and again with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your love. It is a fruit of your Holy Spirit. Let us be more like Christ in the power of your Holy Spirit. We need your Spirit. Without your Spirit, we can't do it, Lord. Let us as a church be more like Christ in our love because you fill us with the spirit of Christ. We want to say sincerely, we love abundantly because you first loved us. Sisters and brothers, receive this word from John. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we peace here or online. Your labor is not in vain.
Good morning. Uh, my name is uh, Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors. I'm a missions and youth pastor. You don't usually see me here because I'm primarily at the Tyson's site. So it's good to be with you here. We just want to welcome you uh, to our community today, especially if you are new. We're so glad that you're here with us. Please, uh, we'd encourage you to connect with us, reach out to us. Uh, we'd love to get you to know you more. Uh, we have small groups, which is a great place and a great um, way to get to know people better. Um, and so we'd love for you to be a part of that. We just want to share a couple of uh, things that are going on in our community. Um, first, I just want to make, uh, we're going to start the Life on Life formation. So it's about experiencing like spiritual transformation in the context of a community. This course is a year-long process where groups will engage in substantive teaching, readings, and written reflections on spiritual themes. The cohort will meet on Saturday mornings starting February 12th at 9 a.m. over Zoom. Um, we hope to meet in person once COVID situation gets better, but we all know we're not sure when all that stuff happens, so at least for now it'll be on Zoom. Um, there is some more info on our website, and if you have any questions, please contact our lead pastor, uh, Pastor Stephen Kim, uh, and you can find that on the uh, website as well, or uh, Melissa Ho. Um, tonight we actually have uh, a missions trip interest meeting. So normally before the pandemic, we would go on at least one missions trip every summer. Uh, it's part of who we are as a church. We want to see people come to know Christ and we have partners globally. Um, obviously, we have not been able to do that for a while. Uh, and we are hoping to go on at least one trip this summer. Um, so if you are interested, so I'm not saying you were like, yes, I'm definitely going. If you have even an inkling of a desire to know hey, maybe I would be interested in a mission trip this summer. Please come out uh, to the Zoom meeting tonight uh, at 8 p.m. You can find that information on the website or you can contact me. Um, and it's just for us to kind of get a feel for, hey, who's interested in this? How many people do we have? How many possible trips we could do? And it also will, will tell you more about what kinds of trips we would be going on, where we'd be going, that kind of thing. So please, if you're interested, show up tonight uh, for our Zoom meeting. Uh, I'd be happy to see you there. Um, we have our women's retreat in March. Um, and so if uh, the registration actually opens today. So if you're a woman here and we'd love for you to be a part of this, this is about kind of um, thriving and experiencing who Christ is. And so please come out to that. Um, there, it's in March, so there's those dates online, but the registration opens today. So please uh, take advantage of that. Um, prayer, we have a prayer meeting every Tuesday on Zoom uh, at 8 p.m. Uh, this coming week will be led by our elders, uh, so we just encourage you to do that. Prayer is such an important part of who we are, and it's just really vital. It's vital for us. It's also vital as we intercede on behalf of others. Um, we partner with what God is doing as we pray, and so if you can make the time, uh, we would love to see you there on Tuesdays. Um, we also uh, do our offering. We're not going to collect an offering here in person, but we do do that uh, online, and I'll pray for that in a moment. Um, I just want to take an opportunity to uh, share with us about some of the partners that we have um, for missions. So we have, as I mentioned, we really value and we want to see all um, people have an opportunity to experience who Christ is. And so we've made multiple partners, both locally and globally. And today I want us to kind of highlight, we have these partners, Marshall and Tammy, they're here locally, um, and they're focused on reaching unreached people groups that live here. 
Um, they're actually part of a group that's called Global Gates that focuses on saying, hey, where are cities that we can go to where the, the nations are coming to us so we have like the capacity to share with them where maybe we wouldn't be able to share with them in their own country. And actually, Marshall and Tammy are focused on Persian speakers, so largely Iranians and Afghans. And so they've been doing this for years, actually. Um, and so they, they just wanted to share with us a couple of things that are happening. One thing that's happening every Sunday is there's actually a primarily Iranian uh, fellowship that meets every Sunday to worship Jesus and study the Word of God. Uh, this has actually been going on for a little while now, and it's actually starting to pick up some steam, and it's getting really exciting that actually some of these um, Iranians are actually leading other Iranians to Christ right here. Um, and they're starting to have Bible studies, and things are starting to happen. And so these, uh, this Persian fellowship group is starting to actually take seriously the call to lead their own people to Jesus. And so this is great, and uh, our partners are part of this, helping <clears throat> to resource them, equip them to be able to do this. And so that's happening, and that's wonderful. Um, another thing is obviously, uh, with everything that went on in Afghanistan, um, our partners here have been involved heavily. They were already involved with Afghans in the area, but now because of what's happened, they've actually been heavily involved in some of the uh, process of getting uh, Afghans who are still um, over there, over here, so trying to rescue them or get them either over here or to other countries. So they've been very involved with that. They're also involved with taking care of uh, Afghans who've been relocated to this area. Um, actually, We've partnered with them to try and do what we call like adopt a, um, or partner with a family, befriend a family. And uh, we mentioned this uh, right when all this kind of hit the fan um, earlier. And we actually have a couple of our uh, church members who've been able to be connected really well with some. Uh, and so if you're interested in that as well, you can uh, let me know and I'll connect you with them. As there are still more, a lot more Afghans that are going to be coming to this area, being relocated. Many, many of them are still on bases waiting to be redeployed. Uh, many of these people, um, you know, escape basically with the shirt on their backs. And so there is a little bit of help that comes from some organizations in the government. But then they also just, they're, they're going to be lonely. They need friends. They need community. And we would love to be able to, to be a part of that. And that's part of what Marshall and Tamley are doing. And we want to come alongside them and help um, that happen as well. And so they're here for that. Just, just some things to mention uh, for you to be praying for, for Marshall and Tammy and for their, for their work. Uh, be, be lifting up this um, Persian fellowship. Again, I said it meets every Sunday. They're starting to see God move. We just pray uh, that that would happen. Pray especially for more men. I think most of the people in this fellowship are women. Um, and let's just pray that some of the men would come to faith in this place. Um, one of the things that they're asking prayer for is uh, they do some online ministry with ads and stuff to try and get people interested. Just be praying that that would work well. Um, pray for protection uh, for the people in Afghanistan who are still there. Pray that extractions would go well. Pray for workers like them who are working tirelessly trying to help these people as they're getting exhausted and overwhelmed. Um, pray for more, uh, more connections for people here in the U.S., um, between Afghans, that we'd be able to connect well with these people as they're coming uh, right to our neighborhoods. Um, pray uh, for the Christians who are there or here who have been persecuted and are just suffering. Um, pray for wisdom uh, as we connect and as our partners connect um, with them, that we would know how to do that well. 
and that we would establish good, meaningful relationships and hopefully at some point lead them to Christ. Um, so I just want to give you just like 30 seconds. You've heard some of those things. You hear what's happening. Just pray for these people and then I'll just close us in prayer. God, I thank you for Marshall and Tammy. I thank you for the work they're doing. I ask that you would just protect them, pour out your spirit on them. Would you rejuvenate them? Would you give them wisdom and guidance as they are a part of many of these things? We do just specifically lift up the work that they're a part of. We thank you for what you're doing in these Persian speakers. We thank you how they are even reaching their own people. We do ask, God, that by your spirit, more of them would come to Christ. And we ask specifically that a, a group of men would become a part of this fellowship and be able to reach other men uh, in their people group. We, we know you can do it, and we ask for your spirit to move. We also just continue to lift up the Afghan population. Uh, we just ask that your spirit would take care of them, take care of those who've been hurting or oppressed, especially those who are still in Afghanistan who are in hiding for various reasons or who, can't, who don't have food, don't have jobs, aren't sure what to do. We just ask that you would take care of them, protect them. If it is your will, we ask that you get them out into places. Uh, we ask also for those here, we ask that you would help provide for them, for, uh, take care of them. We ask that you would raise up us and your church here in America to love well those that you have brought to our neighborhoods. Would you help us to have eyes to see the opportunities around us? Would you help us to see them uh, as you see them? Uh, will we be aware of the opportunities that are all around us to share your love of both tangibly with felt needs, but also spiritually to just show them who Christ is and to love them well, welcome them well, to invite them into our, our lives, Jesus, um, and to be part of them, to welcome them into our communities. Um, we do ask for, for both of these groups uh, that your spirit would be on the move and that you would just take care of them. We also lift up uh, our offering to you, Jesus, and ask that you would take it and bless it for your kingdom, that it would be used for many people to know Christ and for their needs to be met as we trust in you. Uh, we just thank you, and we give you the rest of this service. In your name we pray. Amen. Hi, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, peace of Christ to you. Um, today we're going uh, into Ecclesiastes again, just like we did last week as we start, um, we're, we've started the sermon series uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, we're looking at chapter 1, and we're starting from verse um, 12 today. So we're going to be in chapter 1, verse 12, going up through chapter 2. Um, as we start this, I just want to point out that this section of Ecclesiastes is uh, kind of a testimony section of the book, uh, kind of cohelets. Um, so we talked last week. Uh, if you're if you weren't with us, I invite you to uh, just take a look at that online, or we we have a podcast actually as well on Spotify and whatnot. Um, but uh, just to re to refresh our memory, uh, this book of Ecclesiastes has two voices. Uh, one voice is sort of the framer, the introducer, as well as the concluder of things. He's sort of introducing us to this, uh, in English, what's called the preacher, or in Hebrew, kohilet. 
And so we're hearing these words of Kohelet that this framer has introduced us to. And uh, in this section of Kohelet's words to us, this, these prompts for us to consider and discuss, um, we have this section of testimony, sort of, of a memoir. It's different from our memoirs because they're much shorter. It's much shorter than our memoirs. Uh, it's in poetic verse, and um, he doesn't talk about like trauma like we do in our memoirs. Um, and, uh, you know, actually, there was this really interesting New Yorker article just recently about how trauma narratives might be too simplistic and explanations too neat and tidy. Actually, Kohilet would agree. Um, I think he would say, yeah, life has too much what we call hevel, what he calls hevel, too much vexation, too much just arbitrariness, too much meaninglessness, too much vanity of vanities, too much hevel uh, for us to rely on simplistic explanations. You can't reduce life to uh, you know, quick formula or a quick you know, bumper sticker or something like that. Uh, amen? Yeah, if that's you, you're like, all right, I feel Kohilet here. Um, anyway, as we read also, let's remember that Kohilet isn't presented to us, uh, his voice isn't presented to us by the framer as God himself or some perfectly righteous person. Um, so it's not like, okay, listen to Kohilet, and Kohilet says, thou shalt not, you know, something. It's like, okay, we take that to heart. That's like from God. Now, like, we read the Bible uh, or we read different parts of the Bible in different ways, depending on genre. Depend, you know, if it's a poem, we read it differently than how we might read a story or a command. And here in Kohilet, we're, we're told to consider these words, not just obey, but to consider these words. And like I said last week, we'll consider them together uh, here or in the chat or in conversations later or in a small group. Big plug again, if you're part of a small group, come out. Uh, if you're not quite part of a small group yet, please uh, sign up. That would be really great. Uh, so let's begin verse 12. And um, just as we start, I'm going to pray one more time. Father, as we look into your word, speak to us. I thank you for your Holy Spirit with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 12, I, the preacher, I, Kohilet, I, the preacher, have been king over Jerusalem, uh, over Israel in Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom and all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I can tell where some of you guys are at because I hear like, mm, yes, amen. <laughs> um, indeed, all right. It's an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I've seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. All is hevel and a striving after wind. Um, and here, I think he's talking about all kinds of things. So we could talk about it in terms of work business, like, like our occupation and like our jobs. But I think it, he's really talking about everything that occupies our time, everything that occupies our thoughts. Everything that we're busy with, hobbies, social life, dating, volunteering, sports, whatever, everything is full of hevel. You know, uh, I think something as trivial as sports, it is full of hevel. You know, I have a friend, he has two uh, kids, two boys, and about five years ago when they were about 10 years old, by the way, they're huge Washington area sports fans, they're like really loyal, like local sports fans. And um, they, were, they were at this uh, Nationals, some of you guys might remember this, they were at this Nationals playoff game where they got eliminated, um, the last game of the year, got eliminated, it was at Nat Stadium, and it ended at like one in, one in the morning. 
they're at this game. The boys are around 10 years old. They're leaving the stadium, 1 a.m. They're like, Dad, why do we root for teams that always lose? You know? And, you know, he's like, well, you know, you were born here, and these are your teams. You know, and, well, Dad, why do we have to be born here? You know, and, well, your mom and I grew up here. We also found jobs here. We decided to settle here. Like, Dad, why do we watch sports? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Um, anyway, but everything is full of hevel, and he ends with this little couplet, verse 15. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. <laughs> so, like, the second part of that verse, like, takes it up another notch. Like, what is crooked cannot be made straight. You can't, you can't fix what's broken, really. And on top of that, what is lacking, you can't even count. That's life. This is hevel. This is everything that we are part of, everything that occupies our time. Verse 16, I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom, and to know madness and folly. Like, I explored life. And I applied uh, my heart to these things. And I perceived that this also, like trying to find meaning in life, is a, nothing but a striving after wind. And he ends with another little couplet. For in much wisdom is much, much vexation. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. You gain a lot of wisdom about life. You know what? That just means more vexation, more frustration, you know? And you increase knowledge about things, yeah, just, just more sad. That, that, it just bring more sadness into your life. Um, the point is, everything is hevel. Everything is hevel. That's his big point here. You can't count what's lacking. You can't straighten what's crooked, or my, like, more knowledge, more problems. It's like that old Biggie song. Like, more money, more problems. This is a Kohila saying same thing. More wisdom, more vexation. More knowledge, more sorrow. Like, everything is hevel. Everything is hevel. And we have songs about that. You know, it's just sticking with hip-hop. Do you remember this old song by Kanye, All Falls Down? Yeah, you know, it's like, you know, I actually wrote some of the lyrics to, to help us remember because it was like 20-some years ago. Um, but, the, you know, it seems we live in the American dream, but the people highest up got the lowest self-esteem. The prettiest people do the ugliest things. We buy our way out of jail, can't buy freedom, buy a lot of clothes when we don't really need them, things that we buy to cover up what's inside because they make us hate ourselves and love their wealth. Who needs a sermon? We'll just play Kanye songs. Anyway, um, this is what we have, you know. I just want to say here, though, I think we miss Kohelet's point if we think very piously that this person, Kohelet, feels hevel because he tried to find contentment and meaning in sinful activities. Okay, and just hold that thought. We're going to keep reading in chapter 2. I said in my heart, here's another part of his testimony. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was hevel. This was vanity. I said of laughter. It is mad and of pleasure. What use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart's still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. 
I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forests of the growing trees. I bought, I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines of delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was hevel and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. You know, and so I just want to go back, like, if we miss Kohelet's, if, basically, if we think Kohelet's point is, okay, he tried to find contentment and meaning in sinful activities, we can look at this list. He was just finding, like, mere pleasure and things like slave owning, concubines, greed, you know, oh, then that's why Kohelet felt hevel, because he was searching for meaning in the wrong places. But I think we miss his point if we think that way. I mean, while it might be true that these are sinful, these are unhelpful, I, I don't think that's the point. He's not trying to argue with us about what activities are sinful or not. He's saying it's all hevel. Everything's hevel. Everything we get involved in. And uh, let's, you know, we'll just keep reading. So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly, verse 12, for what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. He's saying, okay, yeah, it's better to be wise than foolish. It's better to be righteous than unrighteous. But then he says, yet I perceive that the same event happened to all of them. <laughs> kind of don't matter, you know? And it's, that's what he's saying. You know, can you think of anything pleasurable in life? You know, and I'm not, you know, whether... I'm not even talking about, like, how moral or ethical it is. Just anything pleasurable, even the most moral, beautiful activity. Can you think of anything pleasurable in life that is not touched by heaven, if not full of heaven? And Kohila says, no, there isn't. You know, and I think that's where we, and actually, more importantly, Jesus would agree with him. Because this world, this life, is thoroughly corrupt and thoroughly broken. That's what Jesus teaches us all the time. That's why this world, and not just my individual soul, but this whole world, this whole life under the sun needs a healer and a savior. And that's why the mother of all Christian prayer has been and still is, come, Lord Jesus. Come and make all things new. Come make justice roll like a river. Come make healing sprout up like fruit on trees in harvest time. Because this life is full of heaven. You know, like, here's an example. A lot of Christians actually don't say this, but Jesus and Paul say this, that singleness is better than being married because it's more singly devoted to Christ. A lot of churches don't say this because there's such a, like, a strong family values myth that's been imported into Christian culture. Uh, and yes, marriage is good, but we have to do some interpretive gymnastics, I think, with the New Testament not to conclude that singleness is better than marriage when it comes to living for the Lord. Okay, marriage, according to the New Testament, yeah, it's a good thing, but it's a concession when you're living singly for the Lord. And I think that logic plays out for having kids too. Having kids is great, but every kid is a concession when the main goal of our life is devotion to Christ. But for those of us who are single, is being free like 
as a single person? Is there like no hevel? I mean, okay, like, let's move on. <laughs> you, know, so, you know, I know some of us who are single, they're like, okay, I can't wait to get married. It's the main goal in my life. So, yes, it's hevel until that happens. But some of us are very content in being single, and you're living for Christ awesomely. And still, you're like, yes, it's hevel. You know, as I hear, as I think about Jesus, who lived this beautiful life as a single person, and all his words about that, and Paul, and it's still hevel. It's lonely at times. I'm not treated as well by the church, even. Like, ugh. You know, I'm sorry, on behalf of the church, I'm sorry if, we, if the church and our culture makes you, you know, feel bad because you're single. You know, and you can, like, don't even get me started about my parents, right? That kind of thing. That no matter what we choose in life, no matter how, like, devoted we might be, how, much, how like, holy our life might be, it's full of hevel. So the point is not about is it immoral or moral. Like, Kogila's big point is just everything is hevel. Okay, amen? Everything is hevel. That's such a sad thing to say amen to, but that's real life. Um, another way I think we miss Kohilat's point is, again, if we think very piously, well, yeah, there are things that are temporary, and uh, compared to life in Christ, they are hevel. So let's devote ourselves to Christ and eternal things like the work we do in him. Yeah, sure, there's some truth to that, but again, I think it's missing Kohilat's point. He's not musing about which things in life are less significant than other things. He's thinking about the hevel of all good things we do, you know? I mean, that's like ministry in Christ, ministry of his good news. It's full of hevel, you know? Do you, like, if you meet a ton of missionaries and pastors or whoever, like, do you think they're all going to be, like, super happy and, like, super contented as people? Like, I mean, hopefully, but no. Um, I'm, I'm actually very happy, but, but, <laughs> but, I mean, do you think ministry discussions are never frustrating or that a church who lives for Jesus is never disappointed, you know? Far from it. All of life is lived in a world of heaven. All right, 2 verse 18. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And he's here, he's not just talking about, like, um, inheritance or, like, cash, money, you know? Um, he's, he's, he's really talking about, like, this is my work, because in that ancient society, you, you kind of do your vocation it probably is going to be what your parents did, you know. So uh, here he's talking about just basically I'm leaving my business. I'm leaving everything that I've built. Yeah, and maybe cash and homes as well. But, like, think about this hevel, he says. I hated all my toil in which I toiled on the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise person or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and use my wisdom under the sun. This also is hevel. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is hevel and a great evil. What is a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? I don't know. For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night... His heart does not rest. Some of us can relate. You know, sleeping at night is supposed to be rest, but it's a common human experience in this world not to sleep well or to stay awake because of anxiety or regret. This also is hevel. But then all of a sudden, after all this hevel, verse 24 and 25, we get to this sort of different beat, a different change in tune. 
but it's just for a couple of verses. But there's a little relief, a little comfort, a little grace in the midst of this hevel from the fallenness of this world. Verse 24 of chapter 2, there's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. Hmm. This is also, I saw, from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? Because there is such a thing as enjoyment. And this is from God. There is such a thing as enjoyment. And this is from God. There's a little relief, a little comfort, a little grace from God in all this hevel. Um, I'm just going to read this little part from Acts chapter 14 in the New Testament. And this, is, this comes from a, a story about Paul and Barnabas, uh, the apostles in the early church. And they're in this city in the early, uh, or in the ancient Roman Empire, and um, they're preaching to people uh, who have never heard of Christ. And um, they're telling them, they're trying to tell them at least, about Christ. And, you know, they do some miracles, and they're, tre- they're, they're called Zeus and Hermes, and the people try to, like, sacrifice to them. And Paul and Barnabas are like, no, don't do this, da-da-da. And then this is what they say in verse 15. Why are you doing these things? We also are just men like you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rain. Like, you know him. How do you know him? Because he gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons for your work satisfying your hearts with food and gladness or joy. He fills your hearts with joy. And that's his introduction to Christ for these people who have never heard of Christ. You know, for many Christians, the archetypal testimony of like a Christian testimony is about how we started experiencing or following Jesus after we hit rock bottom. You know, I was so low I was unhappy. I was in trouble, and I turned to Jesus, you know. Um, my daughter got baptized a, a couple years ago, and she had heard of giving testimonies at baptism. It's often what we do. And she was uh, saying, well, Dad, I, like, I don't know what I would say if, if, if I have to give a testimony for, like, my story because um, I, I don't have a testimony about how I went through some hard time. Um, like, so what am I going to do? And I was like, well, and I just joke with her, well, we can make stuff up. You know, like, uh, you can, like, what sounds good? Like, you got addicted to cocaine like five years ago? Like, you know, it's funny, but I, I told her, no, it doesn't, that doesn't have to be your model. Just talk about what you've experienced in Christ. And, you know, a lot of testimonies are about coming to Christ not out of need, but out of thankfulness. You know, and I think anyone who turned to Christ after hearing Paul speak in Acts 14 has a testimony like that. Not out of my need, but out of my thankfulness. You know, something like, I have so many good things in my life, things I enjoy. There are things that I genuinely enjoy. And in the midst of all this hevel, there are things that I actually enjoy. And I didn't really know who to thank. But then I encountered the message of Jesus and learned what God has done and who God is. And now I know who to thank. You know, one way that we reawaken or revive our love for Christ is to think about our need and go to God with that need. Like, we need you, Lord. I'm going to awaken my love because I need you. I need you in my life. But another way that Paul and Barnabas and I think Kohila teach us is to go to God out of our thankfulness, whether it's for the first time or the thousandth time. 
thanking God for small things even, like joy, little pieces of grace in a world of heaven. You know, for, like for myself, I'll talk to myself, in this past week, you know, I studied the, for my work, I studied the Bible, I organized some things for the church, sent some emails, I led a class, I'm preaching this sermon. All that, it's not free of heaven. And maybe it won't change the world, but it's, it's not nothing. You know, and I'm thankful to enjoy it. This is what I think Scripture is encouraging us with today. Be thankful. Reawaken your love for the Lord. Awaken your love for the first time for the Lord out of thankfulness. You know, in, in Genesis 3 and 4, the beginning of the Bible, beginning of the story, when those people, Adam and Eve, and Cain, these archetypal human beings, like archetypes of us, that's us, they fall into a curse, into a life of heaven. But God makes a promise of redemption in the middle of that curse. One day, a child of this woman will crush the enemy of our souls, a serpent. And that promised child has been understand by, understood by Christians to be Jesus. And that's what we're waiting for. But in the meantime, when they were ashamed of their nakedness, these archetypal people, God gives them clothes. You know, he doesn't just say, well, you've messed things up, so might as well as be as bad as possible. He gives us grace. God gives people, this Adam and Eve, who are us, clothes, which are these expressions of kindness. He didn't have to do that. Expressions of grace to manage this hevel that we live in. You know, in a pandemic too right now, in a pandemic, in a time full of hevel, people have died. You know, public health is politics. We see cruelty in how wealthy a community is, you know, how that has a big impact on how sick a community gets. You know, how a person doing things right can get infected by someone who doesn't seem to be, you know, caring at all. You know, and Kohelet is telling us now as always, there's nothing better in life, in this hevel life, than to find some enjoyment in it, okay? And we do, you know? I mean, just think about it. Think about how maybe you've been able to spend more time with your family. Think about, like, the friend you've reconnected with online. Think about the person who reached out to you and really touched you. You know, think about the concert that you saw online. Think about how you've started to enjoy walks. You know, these are small things, but you felt joy in them. You know, how you've helped other people feel joy, or at least how you think or hope you've helped people feel joy. You know, maybe they're small things, but they're not nothing. And these are just morsels. These are expressions of grace given to us, and they point us to God. You know, it's not just our complaints that bring us to God. It's our thankfulness, even about small things. Those bring us to God. And Kohila, in the middle of this discussion about, in this testimony about the full hevel of life, and we agree, yes, life in this world under the sun, at least until Christ comes back, it is full of hevel. Everything is thoroughly corrupted, thoroughly broken. We totally believe that as Christians. But in the midst of that, we also know that there are moments of grace, expressions of kindness that God gives, us, God gives to us. Reasons for us to be thankful, and that brings us to God. That calls us to awaken our love and our devotion to the Lord. And that's our invitation today. In a world of hevel, in a life of hevel, let's go to God with thankfulness.
I'm just going to read verse 23 and 24 again. There's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? We see that as enjoyment, as gifts from the Lord. He's the one behind our joy. Can we just pray for a moment? Just invite you now, just like Kohilat does, even in the midst of Hevel, even as we re- reflect on our deep and full and thorough Hevel, let's be thankful for the ways that we are able to ex- experience joy. Let that bring us to God. Can we just thank God? Can we go to God? Say, Lord, I'm going to you with this. I'm coming to you with this. Thank you for the good things in my life. Thank you for the even small things I enjoy. Maybe in big ways too, thank you for Christ and all that I've experienced in Christ. Big or small, let's go to God with thankfulness. I'm just going to give you a moment, just in your own way, in your own words. Just turn to God. Let our thankfulness reawaken our love and our devotion. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your kindness, your grace to us. And Lord, we we say again, just like we have been through the service, we say again that we love you. And we want to say that as sincerely as we can. We pray that you fill us again with your Holy Spirit. Fill us again with your love. Fill us again with the reality of your grace and kindness to us in big and also small ways. Lord, we turn to you as we consider these things. God, thank you for all the things that we know we should be thankful about and that we are thankful about, all the ways that we're happy, all the ways that we're surprised at how happy we can be. We turn to you with worship and thanks, with love, Lord. Friends, we're going to take communion as we do each week. And as you come up, or if you're at home, as you take the the bread and cup where you are, I invite you just to remember the Lord and be thankful. Just be thankful. Just be thankful. Pour out your heart to the Lord in thanks as we take this bread and this cup. On the night that he was betrayed, he took that bread and he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. And he took the cup and he said, when you drink this, remember that this cup is a covenant of my blood shed for you. So every time we eat and we drink, we proclaim Christ's death until he come. So I invite you, as you do that, let's proclaim Christ's death, his love, his grace, and his kindness. Let's pour out our thanks as we eat and drink. Um, before we do that, we're going to just give this, share like together the summary of uh, the story of Christ that we believe is good news. And it starts, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. Please, uh, let's read that together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty 
maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I invite you to come. If you're here at the hotel, I invite you to come up to the front or to the back. Uh, take the elements and just uh, pour out. Let's pour out together our thankfulness to the Lord. As you take it, um, Amina and the rest of the musicians up here will um, sing the song. Just join them when you're ready.
reach from the depths as far as east is from the west so far your grace has carried me until i see you face to face until at last i've won my race remind me you're not finished yet Amen. Um, let's, let's pray again. Thank you, Lord, for who you are, all the things that you've done. Lord, we renew our love for you today. Uh, we awaken our passion, our devotion to you through our thankfulness, through remembrance of your love, um, because of which uh, we now love uh, you and others. Father, we praise you. We thank you for the presence again of your Holy Spirit with us here. Thank you for the ways you've ministered to us and spoken to us and um, nourished us even with practice in being like you. Friends, brothers and sisters, um, as we go from here, remember that we go from here not just blessed, but to um, bless others. Right? We're sent from here. And as we're sent from here, let's be sent from here with thankfulness, remembering to give thanks um, because of the love of God, because of the fellowship of the Spirit, because of the work of Christ. And let's help others to be thankful as well. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's so good to be here together at the hotel. Also so good to be with you guys online. Um, hope that we'll see you soon at small group, at Tuesday prayer, at what have you, um, or perhaps this next week on Sunday. Thanks. <laughs>